welcome to Conversations About Life. Jason, welcome to Conversations About Life. Thank how, you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. How about you? I'm doing pretty well, too. Had a good morning, and uh, it's a beautiful day out. There's kids playing in the background, so... Yeah. Um, so, you're a librarian. Um, is that your title, or is it not really your... Yeah, so, reference librarian is my official title. Okay. And, um, and then what else would you say about yourself, just as a way of... You know, just introduction for people. Introduce yourself. Well, uh, I would say uh, Christ follower, Christian. Um, kind of a nerd, almost. Uh, In what I like, way? I like a lot of sci-fi, fantasy, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, things like that. So, okay. Things that some people might consider uh, geeky, nerdy, whatever you want to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I love to read. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. So what got you interested in librarian, li- library work? Like, um, so you went to school for it? And yes. You, so you had an interest in it, I guess. And how did that all work out? Well, so I went to Southeast Missouri State, and I got my bachelor's in historic preservation there. And I worked as a student assistant in the archives. So historic preservation, was that an interest before an interest in being a reference librarian? Yes. Okay. Yeah. They actually, my junior year of high school, we had a college fair. And uh, Southeast Missouri State, for some reason, came all the way from Cape Girardeau to Unionville, which is about a six-hour drive. And they were there, and they spoke about historic preservation, and it immediately drew my interest. So what was it that drew your interest? Well, I've always enjoyed history. Um, I had a good middle school history teacher who was very engaging and very... um, uh, He just piqued my interest in history, um, specifically American history, but history in general. And so I'd always had an interest in history, and with historic preservation, uh, it's sort of what they call public history. So you're... You're not just studying history, but you're studying preserving history, which is kind of what an archivist does as well. Um, They preserve documents. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So it's, you said it's, um, you're not just studying history, you're preserving it like it's public history. It's documents and things. Right. Documents and historic sites, museums. Okay. Um, In fact, that's the three things you could concentrate in, archives historic sites and museums okay and then from there you went in the direction of like being being a reference librarian right so uh to be an archivist you actually have to have an mls the master's in library science and so when i initially went to library school it was actually with the thought of becoming an archivist but then when i went through library school i realized that i enjoyed uh librarianship just as much as i enjoyed archives and with with librarianship, uh, you're dealing with the public a lot. You're not just... With archives, you're kind of behind the scenes. You're just preserving the documents, and um, you do a little bit of reference work, but mostly you just sit in an office or sit at a desk, and uh, you catalog documents and things like that, manuscripts. Yeah. Whereas with as a public librarian at, a, at uh, Jefferson County Library, I actually get to... Uh, help patrons like on the computer and um, help them find books, resources, you know, whatever they're looking for, I I can help them out. Okay, cool. Okay, so um, one thing that I'm curious about, you know, concerning you is in our circles, um, when it comes to um, like politics and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. a lot of times, um, we, the people we're around and so forth, they, they don't care much for um, President Trump. 
but they, um, like I, I heard it said last night, but they like some of the things that it, he did, you know. Right. But um, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but you you just couldn't go with President Trump. At, like, could you not go with him at both of the elections or just the last one or? Uh, it was both. Okay. And then did you vote for uh, the Democrat? Um, I did. Contender? Okay. And then, um, so go ahead and if you want to, just kind of explain your thoughts about that and, um, you know, kind of. Okay. Um, well, so back in 2008 and 2012, I did vote for the Republicans. Um, I voted for McCain and I voted for Romney. And um, generally, at that time, I considered myself very conservative. I, um, you know, I grew up that way. I grew up very conservative. My parents are still very conservative. But at first, I, I kind of actually maybe thought about Trump at first, you know, in, the, in 20, around 2015. Um, but the more I heard him talk and the more... Uh, I learned about him the more I thought, well, I really can't support this person. Um, and I know that we're all, you know, no one's perfect. We all have certain flaws and things like that. But um, so I, I actually voted in the primary, I voted for Ted Cruz uh, for Missouri because I knew that he had a chance to win and I didn't want Trump to become the nominee at the time. Uh, but then you know, Trump did become the nominee, so I had to make a choice. And, uh, you know, personally, I consider myself more in the middle, more of a moderate. Um, generally, I tend to vote more for Republicans, but lately in the era of Trump or, you know, whatever you want to call it, I voted for more Democrats. Um, not because I'm behind their full agenda or anything of that sort. Uh, there's plenty of things that I don't agree with in their agenda, but... Um, they just seemed more, uh, presidential, if you will. Biden seemed more presidential than Trump. And, and I do realize that, you know, he did do some good things. Um, I just didn't like the way that he did them. Okay. Um, as far as like being presidential, yeah, when I, um, listened to, um, you know, Barack Obama, like, he comes across in a very uh, pleasant way, you know, like a mm -hmm. reasonable way. He's the type of person that, you know, I can think of that I could sit down and have a conversation with. And we could right. just reason back and forth. And and just the way he presents himself, like, I think I could trust him. You know, that's how he present, presents himself. Right. Now, I, I think I'd be opposed to him as far as ideology, political ideology and sure. stuff. But, yeah, as far as presidential... Yeah, I, I see what you mean um, about, like, Trump, um, President Trump lacking that, you know. Right. Um, so, you know, when it comes to um, uh, the role, so I've been talking to some other people who identify mm -hmm. with Christianity and um, would maybe even consider themselves evangelicals and so forth, but who are also um, more left-leaning than me you know right um so one of the things is role of government mm -hmm. um so like how what do you see the role of government i've always um kind of seen it as really um that it should be just as lean as possible that there's just some basic mm -hmm. things that the government should do like you know protecting freedom and uh and stuff like that but um keeping order but that it shouldn't really get involved one fellow i was talking to um he thought uh, his opinion is that we're really compared to the rest of the world we're really in, in evangelistic <laughs> like we have a real in, um, individual sense to us like mm -hmm. um compared to the rest of the world that's more communal i guess you know so um his thoughts are um my view of the role of government is because I'm American, you know, and it, so I, so I, I kind of wonder sometimes, um, 
you know, about, you know, um, just why I have such a strong sense of the role mm-hmm. of government being limited like that. What are your thoughts about just the base, the role of government, um, what it should be and so forth? Okay. Um, I, I guess I'm probably somewhere in between. Um, I don't really, I'm not for universal health care or universal income or anything of that sort. Um, I do think, in a sense, um, government should be limited. But I do think it has to have some sort of strength because when we first became a country and we just had the Articles of Confederation, the federal government had very little power and we suffered because of it. So now we have the Constitution, of course, and so there's more power for the government. I, I, I do think there's a fine line between um, the government interfering in our everyday lives and having those individual freedoms. I, uh, the person you were talking about, I do think there's something about being more communal instead of individualistic. I do think we are in America very individualistic. Um, uh, and I mean, we have our freedoms and everything, and we all have our uh, inalienable rights, if you will, love, uh, life, uh, liberty, and the pursuit of property, or whatever you want to say, um, which we actually took from uh, Thomas Paine, but mostly. Is it the pursuit of happiness? Is that- yeah. Okay. His is the pursuit of, I think his is the pursuit of property and ours is the pursuit of happiness, yeah. Okay, I see. So we pretty much took it from him and changed property with happiness, but. I see, right. Um, I guess I, I'm more in line with the limited government, but I do understand, like, when it comes to, like, the social programs, like the New Deal and things like that, um, social security and things like that. I, I do think those are good things. Um, I don't know how much longer Social Security is going to last, but I guess those are pretty much my thoughts on it. Okay. But you're not for, like, uh, universal health care? Right. No. Okay. Um, there, you know, there are some good things about Obamacare and there are some bad things, um, which is not universal health care, but it's on the precipice of universal health care. Mm-hmm. And there are some like Bernie Sanders and others who, who would want universal health care, but I, no, I'm not, I'm not for that. So um, some people uh, think, well, we have, you know, well, they, the way I hear it stated is like um, it ought to be a right. You know, just healthcare mm-hmm. should be the right to everyone, and then they would say, "Education is like uh, they'd say as a society, we um, we've come to agree that education, you know, elementary and high school mm-hmm. education, ought to be just the right of every citizen." Mm-hmm. And then they'd say, "So you know, why not healthcare too? You know, it's like just a, a fundamental, essential type of thing like that." So, um, what are your um, thoughts, uh, you know, like why uh, do you think it shouldn't be? Well, I I guess I think we should have I mean, I, I do agree that everyone has the whatever you want to call it, right, or that everyone deserves to have health care. Um, and I don't think Honestly, I don't think any healthcare system is perfect. I mean, the one that we currently have isn't perfect. If we were to go into universal healthcare, it wouldn't be perfect. Um, but it's with anything. It's like when you have 20 people over for dinner and, you know, you're trying to please all 20 people. Well, you may not be able to please all 20 people when you have 20 people over for dinner. Some may, let's say you make lasagna or whatever. Some may like lasagna, some may not. Now, they may or may not voice it. I mean, over here, they may. If you're somewhere else where they um, are a little bit more tight-lipped about something like that, they may not. But um, I guess what I'm saying is you there isn't really a one-size-fits-all for something like health care. 
Um, which is why I don't like universal health care, because they're saying, well, if we have universal health care, it's one size fits all, and you know everybody's going to be under this. Well, I don't really agree with that. Um, I, I do realize now not everybody can afford health care right now, um, but that's always going to be the case. There's always going to be people that can't afford health care, and uh, one thing I did not like in Obamacare was the mandate. I didn't agree with the mandate where if you didn't have health care, then you had to pay a penalty for not having health care. Some people really honestly can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when um, people make that argument to me like, well, we, we, uh, we have um, universal education, so shouldn't we have universal health care? Rather than going in that direction, I go with the way of, well, maybe we shouldn't have universal education. <laughs> like, maybe it shouldn't be a one-payer type of thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess that just kind of reveals my conservative bent, I guess, in mm-hmm. some things. Um, but um, what about, um, like, well, like abortion is kind of mm-hmm. like a big issue for... Um, a lot of Christians that would, um, where they could kind of negotiate and think about the other and consider it. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, well, the abortion seems to be like the issue that would keep someone going into like the Democratic uh, Party. So how- I have heard that from a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts about that? So I, generally speaking, I don't agree with abortion, but. For me, when I go to vote, I know for a lot of people, and, that, and that's fine if, if this is the case, and I've had people tell me this, but um, for a lot of people, abortion is very important to them when they go to vote. And I'm not saying it's not important to me, but when Roe v. Wade became the norm, I don't think there's much changing whether abortion is quote-unquote legal or not. I mean, I don't... I don't see that changing regardless of who's president. So for me, when I go to vote for president, it's on my list, sure, but it's not like number one or something like that. But I I do not, generally speaking, agree with abortion. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably right. It's kind of more like an ideological issue, maybe Um, not so much that the president has that much to do with it mm-hmm. except that um i guess appointing judges you know right yes who, who may then you know have something to say about right you know the law of the land when it comes to abortion and i know that's something that a lot of people liked with trump is that he got to appoint uh three justices and all three were uh confirmed so yeah um well, what about the COVID thing? I know, like, and even in our circles, like our church and so forth. There's a lot of different opinions. Right. <laughs> and um, so we we were talking, I was talking with some people last night, and they're, they feel like it's uh, government overreach, and they feel like it's not um, reasonable going with the science, like the restrictions, mm-hmm. and, and the way it's being handled. And there's a lot of grievances when it comes to this issue. But um, I notice, you know, you wear a mask regularly mm-hmm. and um, seem to be taking some precautions and so forth. So, you know, what are your thoughts about that? So um, I understand kind of where people are coming from when when they say that it's a government overreach. I It kind of goes back to our talk, uh, what we talked about earlier with America is pretty individualistic right. people. People enjoy their freedoms, and um, also, you know, working at the library, we're required to wear a mask when right. the public is in the building. Um, and I usually wear one even, you know, we've been curbside pickup only since November 18th, which that is going to change soon. We are going to open back up for limited hours again soon. Oh, cool. But um, uh, I am more on the side of taking the precautions because I, I feel like, you know, the Bible tells us to love our neighbor Mm -hmm. and 
even if I may not be adversely affected by COVID, which being younger, I, I may or may not, there have been younger people that have been adversely affected by it, but it's a smaller number. But if I were to somehow come into contact with somebody and I were to pass it on to them and then something happens to them, I mean, to me, if, if, if by wearing my mask, I can stop or at least make it less likely for me to pass it on to someone else, then I'm going to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really have a problem with the mask wearing personally. Right. Um, so I'm not so concerned about like getting COVID and not being able to get over it or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that's a possibility that it could really be tough to get over. But, um, I hear sometimes from like what seems to be reputable sources like the Mayo Clinic, um, Mm -hmm. you know, doctorates in biology, stuff like that, that, um, there could be long-term effects for a person even when they get it and get over it like there Mm -hmm. could be a long-term effect on the heart uh, possibly the brain stuff like that and um and that doesn't seem like it's talked about very much it's almost like um just get it get over it and there's nothing else to concern yourself with and Mm -hmm. and i don't know i don't know very much about it but that just just that you know like what about something that could um, you know, affect you, you know, like later in life, um, because of having it, I don't know, but it, um, (laughs) it seems like, um, I can kind of understand the viewpoint of people who see some of the regulations and see that they just don't make sense. And it is kind of sloppy the way things are done sometimes like, right. Um, but then on the other hand, Sometimes just the total disregard for any care seems like it doesn't make sense to me too. <laughs> you know, so I understand. Yeah. Um. Well, um. So you enjoy history. Um, yes. And um, how do you enjoy it? Um, is it mainly through reading and? Uh, like- it's through reading. Um. I'll watch documentaries or uh, historical fiction television shows. Uh, like right now, I'm watching uh, The Crown on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, which is about Queen Elizabeth II and her family. Yeah. But a lot of it is reading. Uh, I spent a summer back in 2010 from May through August. Uh, I was a, my official title was visitor use assistant, but. I was a park ranger at Shiloh National Military Park, which is uh, commemorates the Battle of Shiloh during the Civil War. So I actually got to uh, lead interpretive programs on a couple of different uh, topics about the Battle of Shiloh. One was called Grant's Last Line, and uh, the other one was called Why Shiloh? So why they actually fought a battle there. Cool. What do you think that history is changing? And I know like history is in the past, so what happened isn't going to change. But like mm-hmm. our view of history, um, we've had um, like a real, um, in the past we've had like a real um, America, you know, viewing America almost like perfect or something like that. And, <laughs> and then... Right. And then it seems like sometimes maybe um, we swing the other way in recent times where it's like um, America hasn't done anything right and it's the worst <laughs> villainous uh, nation mm. out there. And um, I don't know. It seems like... Um, so have you noticed that trend and um, do you have any thoughts about it? Uh, so I have kind of noticed that history is being more uh, scrutinized Mm -hmm. nowadays uh, before maybe the last 15 years or so 15 20 years before then it it wasn't as scrutinized as it is now Um, especially with you know there's a move a movement to get rid of all the confederate monuments from public lands and uh, 
many of them have been removed and put in museums, which I may be in the minority in a lot of my circles, but personally I don't have a huge problem with moving those Confederate statues. Um, but I do think... Like moving them off right. of public land? Yeah. Okay. So... Um, I don't agree with destroying public property. I, that, I think, is too far. So is it, um, is it just those who were involved in the Confederate War? Or, like, some, it seems like it extends even to, like, George Washington, any, anyone who yeah. may have had a slave and so forth, you know? And I think that's... I've had this conversation many times with my dad, even, and he's... He's more of the opinion that, you know, maybe they, they shouldn't be removed. Um, but he understands kind of why they're being removed. But, but as he's pointed out many times, so in this whole movement, where do you draw the line? Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're, if they're wanting to start to go after George Washington or even some of, a very few have mentioned Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. who's the yeah. one that actually freed and ended slavery, um, you know, where, where does that line end if, if you're going to start doing this? I mean, did George Washington own slaves? Yes. But at the end of his life, he also freed all of the slaves that he owned. And, and that, history is complicated. I mean, Thomas yeah. Jefferson owned slaves as well. Many of, the, many of our uh, presidents in the early days were from Virginia, and they were um, slaveholders. And they did not necessarily like the institution of slavery. Thomas Jefferson spoke against it. I don't know if George Washington specifically spoke against it, but again, he did free his slaves. Um, you know, history is there for us to learn from it. And I, I do think we should look at the past and we maybe should scrutinize, but at the same time, as you said, we can't change what happened. We can only, the only thing that we can control is how we act now and how we view the future and act in the future. I mean, the, the only thing that we're guaranteed is right now. I mean, we're not guaranteed five years from now or, you know, whatever you want to say. Um, so we can't, you know, we can't control what happened in the past and dwelling on the past is not good. There's a difference between dwelling in the, on the past and just looking to the past to make sure that we don't make those same mistakes again. And and I do think, you know, did America make mistakes? Sure. I mean, the Japanese-American internment camps and um, how we treated the Native Americans at times, although the Native Americans at times also committed atrocities. There were atrocities on both sides. Um you know, I mean, and of course slavery. I mean, that's the big. But it came from Britain. I, Britain had a lot of slave slavery there when our ancestors, many of our ancestors are British. They may not be for everybody because we are a country of immigrants. Uh, mm-hmm. People have immigrated from all over. Personally, I, I am into genealogy and hmm. uh, I am kind of a mutt, if you will, when it comes to that. I've my ancestors came from five or six different countries, so mm-hmm. it's not just one country. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm more, I guess, I understand why they're wanting to get rid of, because for them, you know, it, it, it reminds them, for many African Americans and other minorities, the Confederate statues and other things like it remind them of the past when they were slaves or the Jim Crow era when they were mistreated. Um, but they're, they're not mistreated to the same extent today. I mean, no one, you know, I, there are some mistakes that are made today. There are some things that have happened with, uh, the different recent events that have happened, George Floyd and other things like that. But, I guess I, I more agree with conservatives, but again, I, I'm one of those, and, and this is maybe why I'm more moderate, more in the middle. I, I can see and understand both sides, and and why, 
and, and that's something I like to do. I like, I, I've taken some world religions classes and things like that, and I think it's, even if you don't agree with the other side, it's important to understand why they think what they think and yeah. where they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah, it is um, messy um, history. Like, uh, for example, we were a nation that enslaved other human beings, but we were also a nation that freed them. You know? Right. So we were a nation that, um, even after slavery, um, uh, just, you know, were... were did unjust things yes. toward um, uh, African American people, but then we've overcome a lot of that too. We have. Um, so it's like, well, what are you know? So what do you want to focus on? Um, you can you know focus on the negative or the positive, and probably it's right. just good to see everything as uh, you know accurately and objectively as you can, and to learn right. and, and go forward. You know. But, well, it honestly, kind of with what my dad has said, with where do you draw the line, as I kind of said before, I mean, we all have made mistakes. If if you want to micro uh, look at somebody and scrutinize everybody, I mean, you could look at every past president and say, hey, well, this person made mistakes and they did something I don't agree with. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't know. This just kind of came to mind. <laughs> I, um, the Pledge of Allegiance. Do you have any thoughts about like pledging one's allegiance to, like we say, we pledge our allegiance to the, the flag? And so, so, or like, so basically what we're saying is we, we're pledging our allegiance to our country. Mm-hmm. And um, I think biblically, we're to be good citizens, we're to serve our fellow man as good citizens and in our system of government it's a self-government type of thing so we should be involved we should care we should work for the good but just the the language like so as christians we're to give our allegiance to king jesus you know that's where our allegiance. but um there is a sense where we give our allegiance to our nation but not so much like no matter what it's like you know it's like uh good or bad I'm with you not I don't know I'm uncomfortable with that you know um, right so we so we are citizens and we're to serve as citizens in a country that's protecting us providing for us in mm-hmm. certain ways but um, I don't know I, I've just kind of wondered about the whole thing of like just what do we mean mm. by pledge allegiance and is that a little bit um too much or I don't know do you have any have you thought about that before or uh I mean not a lot um I I I kind of understand what you're saying um and I do think there's something to what you're saying you know the if we're pledging allegiance to the flag you know are we doing it in good or bad or you know things like that I mean ultimately like you said our as Christians, um, for those who aren't Christians, obviously their their allegiance isn't to Jesus. But for those of us who are, our first allegiance and our final allegiance is to Jesus, not to the country, because the country isn't our savior. Which is something I enjoy when Scott says that. Um, you know that no matter who the president is, they're not our savior. They're not who we're putting our trust in. Yeah, Jesus is, mm-hmm. and so I. From that perspective, I understand what you're saying, that when we're pledging allegiance to the flag, you know, we're... I don't know. Yeah. I guess if what's meant by it is like, this is my home, and I'm going to work for my home, and Mm -hmm. so forth, I can get that. Um, It's like just rededicating myself, saying, this is where I am, you know. But um, anyway, so I guess like a lot of things, it's kind of determines like just what do you mean by that and so forth like, right I well and it's a little bit like when you're when you're in the armed forces which personally i never was but from what i've heard and from what i've read you know when you're in the armed forces you're expected to follow orders but there comes a time when maybe an order comes that's immoral or 
mm-hmm. uh, something like that, and of course you're not going to follow that order. Right. Yeah. And you shouldn't follow that order. Right. Um, well, in your own life, has there anything that's been there that you've had to overcome or anything just still going? It's just kind of characteristic of your life um, that's um, just particular to you that you know you don't mind sharing about um, a challenge or just you know that type mm. of thing um, that you have to trust God with or overcome or I don't know just something along those lines yeah well um, so after I graduated from Southeast I graduated in December of 2010 and I was looking for jobs for a while, and uh, I didn't go to uh, graduate school till 2013. So, from basically the beginning of 2011 until the middle of 2013, so about two years, um, I was looking for jobs, and uh, I was praying, and um, you know, I, I just thought maybe I would get a job in historic preservation soon, and um, but then I. I did substitute teaching at my school where I grew up, uh, Putnam County High School in Unionville, Missouri. And uh, so that got a little income, and my parents let me stay at their house for those couple of years. But um, then this opening came up, and I I was uh, fortunate, um, blessed to get an assistantship when I went to Emporia State University for my MLS, and it paid for all of my tuition, and I also got a $7,000 stipend. So, um, but through those two years, I had to just um, pray and and trust God that, you know, his plan was, he knew what was best. And after I got my MLS, I almost immediately, it was part-time, but I almost immediately got a job at Jefferson College in Hillsboro, and that's when I moved to the area. That was August of 2015. Um, and I've been here ever since. Hmm. So just the uncertainty of all of that, not knowing what's going to happen and just the waiting and so forth. Yeah, I can see how that would be challenging, especially if it's stretched out ways. For me, when I grew up, I just jumped into things so quickly (laughs) that I didn't have to go through that type of thing. Like when I was 18... Um, I joined the Navy, I got married, you know, I didn't wait for nothing. So, mm-hmm. But I can see, like, when you're preparing for something, and then you're just kind of waiting, but, yeah. But I'm confident that I'm where I'm supposed to be, so. Yeah, well, good. Um, how do you like to um, interact with fellow Christians? Um, for example, um, some people, like, church service you know Mm. singing my son he'd like to be on the soccer field with other people and that's how Mm. he likes fellowship i kind of prefer uh just a face-to-face conversation over a cup of coffee or something Mm. and there's like we're doing now (laughs) yeah right and there's other things um so um how do you um for you when it comes to like fellow christians encouraging one another using their gifts building one another up what does that look like in your what your preferred way, I guess, you know? Well, I I do enjoy worship service and um I do think worship service is a place where you can come together and corporate worship you can come together and you can uh praise the Lord and you can uh edify each other and uh, hear God's word uh, spoken, at least if you're in a a church where that happens. Not all churches actually speak God's word per se. A lot bring their own opinions into it or bring their own uh, thoughts that are not necessarily biblically based. But uh, but that's not the case at Rockport, um, which I'm very thankful for. Uh, but I, I do like the corporate worship, the worship service. I, I do like the D groups. I like the more intimate, smaller groups. Um, I like hanging out, like the New Year's Eve party. When we do the New Year's Eve party, I, mm-hmm. I enjoy like game nights, things like that. Okay, yeah. You know, when it comes to Christianity, 
Um, is there anything that your faith rests on as far as like confidence? Like this is what gives you confidence that um, Christianity is historically real and real mm-hmm. in just every sense rather than just um, a man-made religion? <laughs> well, um, I mean, for me, I, nature is one thing that I look at. Um, and, you know, I, I've actually read uh, some Stephen Hawking, and I've read uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. They're both well, yeah. Stephen Hawking, the late Stephen Hawking, but um, both of them were preeminent prominent uh, astrophysicists and both have come and many astrophysicists I will say have come to the conclusion that uh, science answers everything that they can just look to science and they can answer any question and they can answer where where we came from, where we're going what all is out there any question that you could possibly have can be answered by science which I do think there's a place for science, but I don't agree that every question can be answered solely by science, because if you believe what the Bible says, that that God created us and that that God is the supreme being, the three in one, um, you know that science is a—I mean, sure, maybe many scientists are inspired by God, I guess they could be, but it's more of a man-made thing. It's a thing where, and I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to figure out questions and answers to things like where we came from and things like that. But at the same time, I, I believe the Bible. I believe that God did create the world and that um, Jesus was there from the beginning and that he's always been there. And he died on the cross and rose again and saved all who would become believers but for many they don't they're in opposition to that and and some would say that you know they're open to whatever people want to believe like Stephen Hawking said that you know he was he doesn't care if people want to believe in that stuff but basically he said it's wishful thinking it's you know it's wishful thinking that there's a god and that there's an afterlife and that uh, there's anything beyond the life that we get to live here, which I don't agree with. I don't think that is wishful thinking. I, you know, I, I believe what the Bible says. You know, you mentioned that science can't can't answer any, everything. Like, what kind of things does is science not able to answer, or what are you re- referring to? Well, for one, um, science can't definitively answer whether God is there or not. They can try. They can do plenty of experiments and try, but there's no scientific experiment that can definitively say yes or no, there is a God. Right. Right. Um, Because science kind of deals with the things of the universe. Right. And by definition, if God created the universe, he's not the universe. So it's like science can't touch upon that really. Right. Um, that's why it's called faith it's it's faith because we can't see God no one no one has seen him face to face but he has instilled that faith in us that he is there and he is working on our lives so like so a scientist who kind of sees science as like the supreme way of knowledge I guess I could kind of see um what they mean, like from a scientific perspective, you don't get beyond the material world, I guess. Mm-hmm. Seem, but um, I guess science can't answer the questions of, um, yeah, definitively, is there a God or not? Um, it doesn't seem like they can answer the questions of um, why, you know, like, right. so you know, what's the purpose of life and why and so forth. Yeah, and And most of theirs are theories, too. Like, it's the Big Bang Theory. Mm -hmm. It's not... They push it off as fact and present it as fact when, in all reality, it isn't 
actually fact. A lot of these are theories. The theory of relativity, the theory of gravity. Um, and I'm not saying that we don't see gravity in, in action every day. I mean, we're sitting here. Obviously, there's gravity that keeps us here on the ground. Mm-hmm. If there wasn't gravity, we'd be just floating in the air. But um, with the Big Bang Theory, I mean, they just believe that somehow the universe, and, and I don't understand all of that. I've, I've read them, but I, I'm no astrophysicist myself. But somehow they believe that basically the universe has always been here and the universe just spontaneously kind of created itself with the big bang theory and and i don't i don't get where they're willing to believe that the universe just spontaneously created itself out of nowhere basically and yet they're not willing to you know they're not willing to entertain the other side that that god created it all yeah yeah i i think that like logically you can't go with something from nothing and I and I they use, I know people use that language but I think that probably they're just it's like they can't see beyond the veil there you know like mm-hmm. what conditions brought about the big bang um, they'd call it you know nothing nothing of the universe now you know but evidently they would I think people you know they would acknowledge that there's something <laughs> I don't know right um, but um, well, and even really, for those that are atheists or agnostic, I mean, an atheist is literally they believe that there is nothing, so they still believe in something because they're believing in nothing. So they believe that we just get this life and that's it. And for agnostics, they, I guess, they kind of somewhat are willing to search and look and see for religion, but. They still don't really believe in anything. Yeah. But they're still, by believing in nothing, they're still believing in something. It's like saying never say never, but in the act of saying never say never, you're saying never. I mean, that's how I look at it anyway. Yeah. Um, well, what's impacted you in your life? What shaped you to make and has made you the person that you are? Well, I would say... Um, First of all, God gave me uh, Christian parents, and they have always been a good example. Um, my dad, uh, for I don't know how long, but he's been a deacon at the church where we grew up going to in Unionville, and I would say he's a very good example. Um, and he, he's into history. He's into sports. I'm very much into sports. I mean, I'm wearing an Iowa Hawkeyes hoodie. Mm-hmm. Um and he grew up in Iowa. A lot of his side of the family is from Iowa. That's where he's from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which is a stone's throw from Iowa City, where University of Iowa is. Yeah. And uh, that's where his dad graduated from, my grandpa. And uh, so my parents had a big, big part in it. Um, I guess uh, for me, really, everywhere I've been has kind of impacted me and shaped me um, from my experience and grade school growing up um, with my parents and then going to SEMO, my experience there, uh, the friends and my roommate, which my roommate's name was also Jason. And it was totally random. They just assigned us. But And he was from St. Louis. I'm actually still good friends with him. And hmm. I see him sometimes and we talk sometimes. Um, my experiences uh, at Emporia State and Shiloh and... Um, and I've had uh, different people who have impacted me along the way, too, different uh, pastors, different youth pastors. Um. Has there been any books that have been, like, just super significant that just made a big splash in your life? Well, uh, aside from the Bible, um, one of my favorite authors is Ted Decker, and he has a couple of books called um, AD 30 and AD 33, that are historical fiction about um, a woman living, I don't remember exactly where she's from, but she's from the area around Israel. 
uh, during the time of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that's what those books are about. Hmm. Um, they're, they're a good read. Um, personally, being a Star Wars fan, Timothy Zahn. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. I didn't really get into the Lord of the Rings books. I really enjoy the movies, but for some reason I could get into The Hobbit, but not The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, one uh, one series that really impacted me as a kid, and this also maybe sparked my interest in history a little bit, is uh, the Magic Treehouse books by Mary Pope Osborne. Hmm. Uh, basically, it's these two young kids i think they're both nine or ten like one's nine one's ten brother and sister and they go on these adventures in a magic tree house and it takes them back in time to different moments in history okay and it's very interesting um adventures in odyssey that's not really a book mm-hmm. but uh it was a program on the right. radio yeah we've enjoyed those a lot too yeah um well i was listening to a fellow this morning on a podcast. His name's Jonathan Pajual. His French name, P-A-G-E-A-U. But, um, and uh, he was talking about how um, in his life, he's just kind of led more intuitively, like whatever seems to be feeding and nourishing his spirit at the time. You know, I'm kind of hmm. using my own words to explain. But um, for you... Like, what do you want more of in your life? Or what seems to be really um, a nourishing your, you know, your spirit and so, so forth in your life that mm. you would like more of and that you would like to go in that direction? Hmm. Well, I enjoy doing um, devotionals. Uh, I did the, last year I did the New Morning Mercies by uh, Paul David Tripp. And that was, um, I also did his uh, Advent one. I can't remember exactly what that one's called, but the the one that's specifically for the month of December. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what got me interested in. I, I heard about New Morning Mercies after I'd read that. And um, they're kind of a little bit longer. I mean, it's more like 10 or 15 minutes usually to get through all of it, but... It's very um, theology-based, very biblically-based, and it just kind of reminds you that ultimately Jesus is our King and He is our Savior, and that's where we should put our trust and hope. Um, No matter what's going on in the world or how bad it might seem, that, and there's many examples of that in the Bible. Many, many people that God chose to use, they, they had chances to lose faith or lose hope or not trust. And in some instances, they did. And many of them paid for not trusting him. But um, anyway, in the, in the good and the bad, we have to trust him in the good and the bad. So your answer would be more... Just personal devotion, con- yes. times of contemplation. Time in the Word. Time in the Word. Okay. Um, well, I guess just kind of to, to wrap up, um, what's something that you've learned in life that you carry with you? Um, is there anything kind of um, prominent that comes to mind as far as something you know now? Maybe you didn't know earlier, but you've um, it's kind of something that's important to you. I guess um, one thing would be uh, community, that the church is a community. Um, All those who are true Christians, if you will, um, we are a community, and uh, we do have others that we can go to for help, and we're not alone. I mean, obviously God's always there too, but... um, we all struggle. We're, we're not alone in struggling. And no one is perfect. Uh, if we're a Christian, we're working towards perfection. But we aren't perfect and we won't be in this life. So I guess that that's something um, 
the community aspect of Christianity. Yeah, cool. You know, speaking of community, I'm a part of a men's meetup group. It's a St. Mm-hmm. Louis group. And um, I've wondered, like, what if Christians interacted this way? So the, the idea of the group is to make relationships with other men, um, encourage and mm-hmm. help each other along the way of growing and self-improvement and so forth. But And there's basically uh, three different ways that you interact together, or three or four. Um, we stay in touch through a Slack channel, an app. Okay. Okay. And there's like monthly things that you can get involved with, a monthly brunch, you know, or a monthly mm-hmm. doing this or that, sometimes going for a run in Forest Park or whatever. So there's those things, just getting together to do something. And then there's a weekly discussion group that's limited to eight people. So... Um, you sign up for it. The first eight are in there. There's uh, like a moderator. Um, sometimes it's live. Sometimes it's Zoom, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, it's just two hours of just talking in a small group about whatever's on your mind that you just need to talk about. Mm-hmm. And other people aren't there to um, really uh, give you advice and so forth. That's not the, the point of the discussion, but more of just to express what you're going through, let other people hear and kind of reply back to what they're hearing from you. And it sometimes hmm. that's helpful if for people who are just kind of going through, you know, some uh, things that's just heavy on their mind and they just need to mm-hmm. kind of express it, you know. And then there's a, a thing you sign up for within the group and everyone who is signed up for it um, gets paired up. So the Slack um, app pairs. You get two people get paired up every other week, and when you're paired up, you just contact each other and you con- you and you make contact however you want. Um, you can it can be a phone call, it can be getting together for a cup of coffee, it, or just whatever works well for the two. Mm-hmm. So so there's group activities, there's um, discussions that get small group discussions that get more serious mm-hmm. and then there's just face to face with one other person and um, you talk about whatever but it seems like a structure for interaction and relationships and stuff like that like in our Christian um, church community basically we're a part of a, a service mm-hmm. and then the interaction is just kind of like a tag on at the end of the service, like if you hang out for a while, you know? Yeah. Um, and then there are D groups, which, but they're also, um, they're not quite so discussion focused as like something like what I was referring to, which is, yeah, there could be a theme to start off the discussion, but really it's just about mm-hmm. sharing with other people. But I don't know. Um, so it was just something on, on my mind. I just thought I would share yeah. just to see what your, um, if you had any thoughts about it. Or Well, we did. Um, we haven't done it for a while because of the pandemic and other things going on. But uh, it was Kyle Davis and Michael Flieger, Sean Struckoff, um, Chris Tucker. And then uh, I was in on it for a while, too. Uh, we were meeting and uh, reading a book. Okay. And we would discuss the book and discuss our thoughts, discuss theology. It was uh, called The Marrow of Modern Divinity. Hmm. Uh, I can't remember the author, but it was a Puritan from the 1700s, the 18th century. Yeah. So it, some of it was kind of hard to understand because it was written kind of in an older English, not in our modern English. But it was something where we would we would get together and we would discuss and we would read it aloud and then discuss things like that. And sometimes we would have snacks. It would just be a kind of an informal get together. Right. Yeah. So it's I, I think maybe um, like the thing I'm talking about with this men's meetup group, it can be it can be done. Someone just has to take the initiative to do it, like to get a little mm. group together, like what you're talking about. I guess when you have a structure. Um, then that helps people to get plug in and yes. like in the meetup group, it's like, there's already a structure for it. So you just join in. Otherwise you kind of t- need to take the initiative. If I want, want to meet up with someone face to face for a cup of coffee, 
I got to call him up. You know, someone. Right. There's not an app that's going to connect me with him every two weeks, you know. Right. <laughs> and I have heard of Slack. Um, I think, I don't know with all the D groups use it, but I know that uh, Kyle Davis has talked about using Slack, and I guess he uses Slack some. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of work groups use it, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I've really been leading the conversation here. So before we go, is there just anything that that's on your mind that you would like to talk about, any topic to bring up? Or, or is that pretty much, should we go ahead and wrap up then? Uh, I think I'm good to go ahead and wrap up. Okay. Well, it's been good talking with you, and I've enjoyed yeah. it, and I've enjoyed just getting to know you better, Jason. So thanks a lot for being a guest. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm.